Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Somewhere in Jamaica, Phil Spencer is sitting on a, on a beach, sipping a pina colada, just thinking about 12 flops is more than 10. My work oh, is done. Uh, and for the first time since May of 2019, we have the co-host of the Trophy Room, uh, Joseph, a.k.a. Mr. Badbit. What's up? What's going on, guys? Pleasure to be here. Um, and somewhere in a dark room, uh, Shuhei Yoshida is yelling into a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and God. also somewhere in a hopefully different dark room, Mark Cerny is collecting ears. So it's going to be a <laughs> show. <laughs> hopefully I did a good introduction. It's always strange for me, uh, you know, introducing people on the podcast that don't like normally uh promote their last name because i don't want to come out and like you know say their full name or anything so yeah it's always tough there i don't know if it's always been weird so like i remember the first time that happened i was like "Uh oh now people gonna find out where i live but like nah, people don't care (laughs) so yeah you can call me joe you can call me mr Babbit. it don't matter cool i just am always hopeful that i do a decent enough introduction for people on the show um yeah (laughs) So let's hop into the rundown. We're going to cover a couple of small stories first, and then we're going to get into both the big Xbox Series X info dump that happened on um, this last Monday, which was March uh, 16th. And then the following day, we had the Road to PlayStation 5 presentation by Mark Cerny, which we'll also get into. And then at the end, we'll obviously be comparing what we know about the two systems. Um, I want to preface real quick by saying the conversations we'll have at that point are, and this shouldn't have to go with, you know, this should be implied at this point in 2020, but we're not trying to console war it. This isn't like toxic fanboy culture. It's literally about two competing pieces of hardware that are going to, you know, be going against each other in the open market. So you kind of want to compare them and see what they're going to offer consumers, right? So this isn't a Xbox versus PlayStation. Who's better? You know, so just throwing that out there. Let our pitchforks out. out. <laughs> Get your weapons. We're going to war here, yeah. or be gone. The yeah. console wars have. You can you can compare things, you know, two different products, and have it not be a end all be all as to one is absolutely, you know, the winner. So, just wanted to preface this whole this whole conversation with that. Should be known, but you know, there's kids out there that uh don't know any better. Uh, first up, the first thing on the rundown: Sabotage Studio, which are from familiar were the developers of The Messenger. Uh, recently announced Sea of Stars, and this game is a turn-based RPG inspired by classics. Uh, specifically, in an interview released this morning by Easy Allies, they talked about their three main um, sources of in- inspiration for this game are Golden Sun, Super Mario RPG, and Chrono Trigger, which is a pretty good trilogy. You know, three different games to uh, have as your inspiration for the game. And it's a prequel to The Messenger, so anybody who played that game, the the awesome platform with amazing music, and loved the world, loved the comedic elements of it, this takes place thousands of years before that, but in the same universe, which is really cool. Um, did you, either of you guys get a chance to see this trailer today that dropped? Mm-mm. No. I'm actually, I'm, I'm watching it right now as we speak, and it looks, it looks really cool. I, I definitely... I've never played um, Chrono Trigger or um, Golden Sun, but I get that vibe immediately from the art style alone. 
it's it's beautiful. Um, Sabotage is really good at pixel art. They're very good at the music they put into their games, and they're really good at taking the tropes and um, just kind of things that hold back these old school genres in the modern age, right? For modern audiences' gaming preferences, they do a good job of kind of turning those on their head and making fun of those things and being very self-reverential. Um, the thing I will I, I will say is they already put the flag in the in the in the sand saying this game is coming out in 2022. Um, thankfully, they're not trying to overpromise. A lot of times, game announcements will say they're coming out a lot earlier and then they end up getting pushed. So they already know it's going to take a while. This game's actually only been in development for a couple of months. So watching the trailer, it's kind of astounding the level of detail uh, the gameplay they've shown has. Yeah, uh, I'm watching the trailer right now, and it looks like, I mean, they're showing a lot of gameplay. Like, if you told me this was coming out next month, I'd believe you. Yeah. yeah. It The first time I saw it, it gave me uh, Project Octopath Traveler vibes. Not in the sense it's, it looks the same or it's going to be the same gameplay, but I was immediately immediately influenced by the art style right it was just purely beautiful and i'm like oh god and then you see the actual gameplay and it looks interesting so it's a nice melding of both um the kickstarter went live today and they had a target of ninety thousand dollars uh it already passed that (laughs) (laughs) so it's at ninety six thousand dollars and growing they had a really cool thing where so the initial perk for kickstarter was one dollar and it just like support the game in order to buy the game digitally, it was like $24, right? And obviously you got a lot of other perks, including like digital wallpapers and your name in the credits. Because of the current situation we're in, they also offered one for I think like $17 or $18 um, for a limited number of people of like, hey, we understand the circumstances now. If you're an early adopter, you can get it for cheaper than than uh, we were actually looking for initially. So that's really cool. Mm. Um it's no surprise that this game made its Kickstarter goal. Like you guys said, you saw the trailer and immediately were like, whoa, you know? Uh, so it's very visually impressive. And it's this game will find a great home on all platforms. But this to me reads Switch. Like I really hope this comes to Nintendo Switch at least day and day with the other consoles, if not first. Um, it, it just looks amazing. There's nothing else to really say there. Uh, good studio. Well, one other thing I wanted to add. This was actually intended to be their first game they wanted to make, but Hmm. um, they understood that this was a large undertaking, so they wanted to take on a genre that was a little bit more simple and they can get out the door, right, to have kind of security in terms of funding. So that's why they focused on the messenger, got that out, and then came back to this. But this was always originally intended to be like their project they wanted to make. So That's awesome. It it looks beautiful. It also, like, the the, at least the banner also kind of gives me... A bit of like Steven Universe vibes somehow, Ooh, some way. Maybe it's a color palette that they use. But like it's it's definitely up my alley. This is something I'm interested in. It's also interesting how they're how I again in the front page of Twitter it says PC and consoles. So we can assume what that, that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Uh another thing is uh in the preview that Easy Allies posted, um great outlet if you have a chance to check them out. They talked about how, uh, when I mentioned Sabotage Studio and how they like to, you know, tackle the tropes and weird setbacks that these these genres have, there's this weird thing with turn-based RPGs and just RPGs in general of this time period where you would go and buy, like, a very expensive uh, weapon from a blacksmith, right, for, like, 20,000 gold, and then that blacksmith is still, like, poor. 
you know, so it doesn't really make sense mm -hmm. contextually in the narrative of the game. And they also thought that it was dumb that in RPGs, oftentimes it was like, oh, the more north you go, the better weapons and armor you get. Um, so they kind of want to tackle that where it kind of makes sense in world how you're acquiring these items. They said you won't have multiple items to like upgrade to. And um, yeah, they just kind of want to tackle all of those RPG tropes that make no sense when you sit back and really think about them. And yeah. they also want to eliminate uh, hardcore grinding in their game. Um, so they really want to balance the experience that way people aren't forced to grind like you often are, you know, in turn-based RPGs. So it, it's very interesting, like we said, two years away. Um, but, God, it's going to be two years. I'm going to be refreshing that trailer and getting any update <laughs> I can because that game looks gorgeous. Awesome. Next up, so that was an indie game. We got some rumors on a big AAA boy. Uh, this will technically be the second Call of Duty uh, game released in 2020 if you're counting Warzone. Rumors have surfaced for the second release for Call of Duty, though their annual holiday release, that it will be a Black Ops reboot similar to the Modern Warfare reboot that we got in 2019, and it'll have story elements similar to the original but with a new storyline. Alex Mason and Frank Woods, who are the lead protagonists of the real the you know the first black ops will be set to return another note to this is that there was already rumblings that this year's call of duty was going to be black ops 5 and the reason that was and you're thinking to yourself wasn't this you know sledgehammer's year uh jason schreier broke some news uh i think mid to late in 2019 that sledgehammer and raven were working together on 2020's title but for some reason they were just having issues internally working with each other and figuring out the workflow process. So basically Activision stepped in, had uh, Treyarch step in, and they took the shell of that game and are tur were turning it into a Black Ops title. And it was assumed to be Black Ops 5 for this year, but these current reports, well not really reports, rumors now are saying, no, it's a reboot instead. Um, I guess from you guys, do you think this kind of makes sense that they would take the reboot approach again if these rumors are true? And to that point as well, what do you think this means for Warzone? Do you think if it is a Black Ops title this year, does Warzone get updated, or is it a you know Blackout version two in you know spring of next year? Um, Man. Oh, Call you go, you go. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, I don't really have anything. I'm just <clears throat> this past year, especially, I've just been getting exhausted on like all the Call of Duty news. The way it's like. Because there was that, yeah, that big Jason Schreier report that you talked about about their, the way they're organizing their studios is kind of a, you know, a bit in flux lately. And they're having some struggles where that, that typical rotation that they had got down, like, you know, three studios each year, you know, every studio releases a game. So you had this great, like, three-year dev cycle, more or less. Um, and everything was flowing great. And now it seems, I don't know, now there's like, oh, Battle Royale, we got to have, we, we have, uh, the blackout battle royale which i yeah. i already forgot about um until shortly after this latest this warzone battle royale came out like oh yeah they did a, they already did this and, like, and then i even speculated um jared if you remember like maybe warzone is the all they're putting out this year because their studios are consolidated and they need more time or something um but apparently that doesn't seem to be the case I, yeah. i'm just exhausted by it i guess i don't know just hearing about it uh, I, I kind of I kind of had like figured that this was gonna be the case uh, once they announced Modern Warfare. I was just like, oh okay. So 
the World War II thing obviously didn't pan out the way that they wanted to. There was already quickly, you know, some quick fatigue once it hit. Um, people didn't. But want Joseph, that you time. didn't like you didn't like getting loot boxes on Normandy. <laughs> no, yeah. God, I remember that. <laughs> I remember the days. Um, but yeah, like to me, uh, I wasn't a fan of Blackout. Um, it was it was a mode that I I got in and out of pretty quickly within the month's end. Um, but seeing Modern Warfare drop and release, I was just like, so their plan is re-release these titles. Have the people that are nostalgic about them come back while they try to maybe get a third title somewhere down the line that is going to be different from these two two series. Um, to me, I love Warzone. I'll talk about that later into what we've been playing. But it's it, it. I really do think it's going to be a Fortnite situation where they're going to essentially break the world and add a new one in there. Um, or a, a, just a, a different map uh, for for Blackout uh, or Black Ops, whatever they're going to call it. That's what I think is going to happen. It's going to happen the same way we saw probably with, with how Warzone dropped. It'll be probably a few months after the game's released, and then it reinvigorates the fan base and people come back in the new year when there's nothing nothing much to play. Yeah, and it, it kind of takes the place of where Call of Duty would normally in the past drop their big DLCs. Over the years, we've seen that people are kind of opposed to that kind of method where I don't want to pay for another you know, $20 or $30 DLC later in the year for a game I already own. And with Modern right. Warfare, it has free DLC, right? So they couldn't go and add an expansion later that costs money because then that would go against everything they kind of marketed with that game. So it made sense it came out with the free Battle Royale. And to your point, I said this last week when we were talking about the actual announcement of Warzone, Joseph, is that I'm with you. I think it's a platform. I think it's going to get updated, yep. whether that be, like you said, the Fortnite style of blowing up the map and making something entirely different or uh, maybe a secondary map, who knows. But I think it's their platform moving forward that will be updated on an annual basis in that like spring time zone so we'll see it's to your point modern warfare and black ops are their most popular franchises by far right mm -hmm. so if you're going to remake any of them remake those no one's looking for you know uh world at war remake well i guess maybe some people are for classic zombies um but yeah who knows I, I believe that it, it is a black ops title a reboot makes sense like a lot of this makes so much sense that it makes the rumors even more questionable, you know, because sometimes mm. when rumors make too much sense, you're like, hmm, did somebody, you know, sit there and think about this that way nothing would be questioned because it just all makes too much sense. But yeah. we'll see what happens. So what do you figure they call it then? So <clears throat> the the game last year, right, was just Modern Warfare, which <clears throat> was similar to the uh, basically a reboot of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. that was easier to rename because you just dropped the 4. And it's different enough, but similar enough that you can kind of send that message. So, but for Black Ops, what do you call this reboot? Black it's Ops. not going to be five. You just yeah, just Black, just Black Ops. Ops. Yeah, I Same think it'll just name. be Call of Duty Black Ops. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. If they're willing to do that with, think about this. They were willing to do the Modern Warfare like two years after they remade the original. Remember? Yeah. So it's like yeah. I don't. I don't think they care at this point. They're just like, yeah, those names have so much cachet. People don't care if it has a number at the end. They just like that property. So it's like, yeah, whatever. Um, 
It's just so funny because people are, at one point, people are wondering, how can this Call of Duty franchise keep going? And they're at Activision. They're like, you guys don't even know. We're going to come to a point. We're just going to run it all back. We're just going to yep. <laughs> run it right. all back from the beginning. And it's working because I mean, people are nostalgic. Yeah. It's crazy to think about what they've done here because I used to always think it was ridiculous. Like, Final Fantasy 15. You're like, how in the hell are there 15 of those games? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. It's so silly that they have numbered titles that high, but different conversation. But that's 15 or however many there's some in between without numbers too but that's that many games over a few decades right whereas there's a like probably what 15 call of duty games over mm-hmm. one decade or something or you know i don't know what the numbers are but they've been able to pump out so many games that each sell so much in like so little time is i mean even though they're having some struggle struggles now it seems um they're still like able to do it in addition to like putting out good seemingly battle royales that can compete with apex and, and fortnite and stuff it's so i mean i mean we can sit we can shit on activision all day about you know like their corporate practices and things like that but like at the end of the day like damn like they bring in some bank on this stuff like, uh, yeah they, they got the, the right idea <laughs> yep. the only the only uh studio that can top them and publisher is 2k and rockstar right so it's like yeah. they're the only ones that outsell them on an annual basis when those big titles come out, the Red Dead Redemption 2s and the GTA 5s of the world. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with Call of Duty Black Ops or if it ends up being 5, but that is later down the road. Now it's time to hop into this Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 information. There's quite a bit to go through, so I'm, I piecemealed it out as best as I can. Um, we'll try to handle this in, in segments, but... Be warned, there's a lot here to go through. Some of it's really interesting, some of it's like kind of interesting, some of it's not really interesting, but I got all of the, for Xbox specifically, we already had information in the past about a lot of the specs, so I kind of didn't want to go over those again, right? The GDDR2 and all that stuff. I kind of only wanted to focus on the the new stuff that was presented on Monday via um, not only Xbox officially, but both Digital Foundry and this really cool tech YouTuber I didn't know about until Monday. His name's Austin Evans. He did a really good he almost just half an found hour out video. About that guy? Yeah, I don't really. I'm more of a Marquise Brownlee person on he's YouTube. Cool. Uh, okay, he's good too. Yeah, yeah. MKBHD. Yeah, nothing against Austin Evans. I just didn't know about him. Um, but yeah, he did a really solid 28 minute video. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. Where he got hands on. Um, Microsoft invited him over and the guys from Digital Foundry to, you know check out the xbox series x and um they even had a little cool kit where they could take apart the the unit itself and put it back together i love that shot i saw that where they like kind of puzzle puzzle piece the pieces back together and then just slide it all into the case that was sweet it was smart they put little magnets on each of the uh, pieces Mm. too so that way they fit in nicely you don't have to obviously worry about screws or anything anyways Mm -hmm. let's find out what we learned right so the first thing quick resume we already knew about this but when we covered this on the show, Dom, we talked about how, oh, cool, you could quick resume like two games because currently it's only one game, right? We we downplayed that. We we our minds were too small. We didn't think about the possibilities. <laughs> so, uh, recorded demo showcase that quick resume will allow players to jump into multiple games at suspended save points, and the number of games suspended can get as high as five titles, depending on how intensive they are on the system. It works through system updates, restarts, and even unplugging the console. So I wanted to get to this point real quick where it says the number of games suspended can get up to as high as five depending on how intensive they are. So the demo they showed, it was uh, Forza, State of Decay, 
uh, Hellblade The Cave, which is a 360 backwards compatible title, and some other 360 game. And you're able to get up to five games that way because three of them were kind of intensive and two of them obviously weren't intensive at all. The way they made it sound is if it's maybe three Xbox Series X games or four Xbox Series X games, that's all it can handle, right? Depending on if it's like your fours of fives or if you're playing, you know, the Xbox Series X version of Inside, right? That'll be yeah. different levels of intensity. Um, this is really cool. I've seen a lot of uh, journalists and pundits talking about how this isn't really useful to them for because the, they're the type of people who, when they turn on their console... They're only going to be playing one game, and they don't hop around, right? And I completely understand that. But yeah, for people me. who, for people who play the Call of Duty War Zones or the Apex <clears throat> Legends or the Fortnites or even sports titles, right? Games you hop in for a game or a match or two and hop out to have those loaded up and ready to go alongside maybe that meaty single player title you're playing alongside that is huge. Man, you yeah. know what else? Uh, I saw someone else point out the other use case, which is not me either, is like you have three brothers. And then, you know, parents and everyone's been playing a different game at different times. And it's like, yeah, easily switch, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to picture, but I think that could be really cool for like a group of people playing different games in the same yeah. box. Spoiler exactly, alert. Yeah. This is actually the coolest thing I I saw about the Xbox. Because like Austin Evans, who did, I think, the better take uh, breakdown because it was uh, more of in, in English. At least I understood a lot of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this it, it was just like yeah it'll just save it'll be it'll be you know like it'll just save in the background you don't have to worry about it it's gonna be there for you and that's awesome uh as a person who I, you know look i don't i don't play five games at a time but i do ba- bounce between one or two that's pretty yeah. useful to me it's it saves me a little bit of time for sure and for somebody like me who achievement hunts from time to time, I would like to have that third or fourth game that, oh, I feel like actually trying to get some of the achievements in that title and I don't have to worry about loading it, right? So maybe we yeah. aren't going through, like you said, four to five games at a time, but it's cool to have some on the back burner that are already loaded that you can go to when you feel like it, right? So, Like um, I, I uh, on Xbox, I play Battlefront, uh, Apex, and Call of Duty at the moment, and like, Oh my God, that loading screen when you hit for Battlefront 2 <laughs> is mm-hmm. so long. And so if I could just avoid that, if I could avoid Apex's uh, loading screen, that'd be great. That'd be great. I mean, I think more more news on that is about to come too. <laughs> you know which one I'm excited for? Not having to uh, load GTA 6 over and over again. <laughs> That's one I'm yeah. going to have preloaded and saved and ready to go because God, those Rockstar loading screens. Boy, howdy. Oh, God, yes. Uh, this, yeah, this is something that, you know, it's not going to be a wow thing, but to people who do hop back and forth, it is huge. And it's one of those, like, gamer features that I think, and we'll get to this later, I don't want to dive into it super, but PlayStation is kind of missing at this point now, right? Where it won't make a huge effect, but it's something, like, fans can point to and be like, hey, this is something cool that this console will have, right? So, yeah. props to Quick Resume. Uh, did you have something to say, Joseph? Now, uh, other than like quick resume, great feature. It's not. It's not gonna sell me on, on a console though. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so loading times. Uh, this is also something that was shown off in both Digital Foundry and Austin Evans videos. They had stated Decay two up, and both people on separate systems, one on the Xbox One X and one on the Series X, both started stated Decay two at the same time. The Xbox One X took uh, around uh, fifty seconds to a minute to load fully. 
and within eight seconds the series x was already loaded in and playing it was really funny to see a side by side because the guy on the series x started up was starting to play doing a bunch of stuff in the game yeah. by the time the the person on the other seat was able to load in so a really neat comparison of the loading times um odd that they chose state of decay 2 among all titles but you know, it proved what the system is capable of in terms of yeah. increased loading times. I think it's because there's just that game's so notorious for having <laughs> yeah. extremely <laughs> long load times. Um, I don't know about you guys. I was actually not impressed by this. I, I maybe I sound crazy, but like seeing the PlayStation 5's loading of Spider-Man, where it's just like, hey, you know, the, the shaky cam footage that we saw last year where they visited eight location or six or eight locations in Spider-Man, uh, fast traveled there uh, in 0.9 seconds. And so I was just slick. like, yeah, I was just like, that's not, I'm not impressed. So like seeing that, I was just like, it's cool. We're getting there. My, I, I think what Microsoft's doing is like, hey, let's shorten loads, load times. Uh, and we'll talk about the power in a sec. Um, but like, we don't need to eliminate them. De developers will find the shortcuts where it'll feel like you're eliminating them where PlayStation, it feels like, yeah, it's, it's gone. Yeah. Well, and the difference there too, is that, uh, you know, nothing against the guys at undead labs, but insomniac games, I think have a lot more experience in the game development sure. side and a lot more experience specifically working with Sony. So I think they were able to push that thing and get it going and all that. Undead Labs, it's already a game that wasn't like Spider-Man loading times weren't terrible. State of Decay loading times are terrible. That's <laughs> to me why gorgeous. I'm yeah. that's why I'm more surprised that I would have loved to see what this could do to a like a true first party title, right? Like a Halo Infinite or a Gears 5. Okay. That would impress me more because then if it was way faster, then we could have compared it to Spider-Man. But I am with you, the 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 shaky cam footage we saw was super impressive. Um, I can't wait to see that in full motion in 1080p when they actually sell us on that. You know, it's going to be really yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, next up, ray tracing. Obviously, this is one of the new hot button terms that you hear thrown around for next gen systems. Uh, they showed a test build for Minecraft on the Xbox Series X. Um, I think this was a good call personally because it is such a simplistic game that if you can show what ray tracing can do to a title like this, you can kind of, you know, imagine. Uh, exactly what it'll do to the triple a big boy yep. titles and for me the improvement in game was crazy like the visuals and the lighting they had a really cool toggle feature where the content creators could show you like hey this is you know minecraft that you know yada 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 and this is it with ray tracing and the the lighting work it does the reflections everything um one thing that i wish they did go into with the ray tracing was the audio side of it obviously it won't be too impressive with minecraft on that end um but Overall, in terms of the, the lighting and everything else that ray tracing can provide a title, seeing Minecraft displayed like this, like I kind of actually want to hop back into Minecraft on the Xbox Series X when it comes out, uh, mm -hmm. if it's capable of running this that I showed in the tech demo. Now, apparently, when it comes to ray tracing as well, they have machine-learned ray tracing. Yep. Which affect and, and, and now I lied because I remembered it. This is actually the coolest feature. Um, and this this will sell console. Like to me, this this makes me want to buy an Xbox One X uh, or Series X rather. Sorry, because of that machine learned ray tracing. Microsoft's doing an amazing job of saying the history of your titles of your gameplay matters. 
And this is an amazing feat for game preservation because the one thing that I, so many other gamers, we want to go back and revisit those games of old, but it's not just the mechanics. You know, you go try to play Shadows of the Empire and it looks rough. So having it where like the Series X is going to, you know, bump things that get bumped, uh, the X, Xbox One X did with previous titles of bumping them all at least up to 1080p um, and I think 60 FPS, at least 1080p, I know that. But then having this added on on top of it, awesome feature. This is a killer yeah. feature. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that you kind of touched on there was the backwards compatibility. Obviously, you know at this point uh, that all of your accessories are going to move forward. They kind of wanted to double down and let yeah. you know that is still the case. Um, all your controllers will work. Uh, and your entire library will be available on day one, which is huge. So that's your mm -hmm. Xbox titles, your 360 titles, and your Xbox One titles that have already all been available through backwards compatibility. And your um, Game Pass titles. And to to Joseph's point as well, they stated that those back compatible games will also see improved boot times, stable frame rates, higher resolutions, and improved image quality. Uh, and an another thing that they mentioned was it'll allow for a cross-gen multiplayer. So, like, the Rainbow Six Sieges of the world or the Fortnites, you'll be able to play if you have an Xbox Series X with people who have, you know, the Xbox One and yada yada. So, that's huge, cool. too, because, you know, a lot of times, maybe not so much as we get older, us three, but I remember as, you know, a youth <laughs> growing <laughs> up in your, your group of friends figuring out what everyone was going to do in terms of the next console, right? And when is everybody going to upgrade? When is, you know... And this is cool because it doesn't force anybody in the friend group to feel like they need to make an investment before they actually can or feel comfortable with that. Um, and the fact that they can still continue playing a lot of those multiplayer games together is really, really nice. So, yeah. Uh, next up, uh, this is also mentioned in the backwards compatibility section of controllers. There's a new controller. It's pretty much the same thing with a few different form factor changes. So, first of all, it features a D-pad similar to that found on the Elite 2 Elite Series 2 controller, which is like an inverted dome. So it has the four directional buttons and then these like interconnected webs between that allow for easier diagonal movement. Um, the one on the Series X, uh, the, sorry, the Elite Series 2 is incredible. So I'm interested to see how the cheaper plastic version of it feels in comparison to like the metal one on the Series 2. Um, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. I hate it. Like, I, like, I, I don't mind the D-pad. Like, I have the Series 2. Yeah. And I don't mind it, but I really need to get this controller in my hands. Like, first off, they designed it. They said, I believe they said, like, they have, like, an eight-year-old hand in mind, which I don't care if they slim it down. It it doesn't even look like it could lose a little weight, but, like, fine. If, if, if it's going to feel good, that's, I don't care. Um, the triggers, I, 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 I like those. It's the D-pad that very much concerns me of, like, how platformers are going to feel. It's, it kind of feels like we're taking a step back into the 360 uh, days for, for that type of uh, D-pad. Yeah, I, like, like I said, I'll be interested to see how it feels in comparison. I love the Series 2 one, but we could both end up finding ourselves both disliking this one because it is a cheaper manufactured version of it, right, with the plastic. So it might be mushy. Who knows? Uh, the other improvements to the controller, or who knows if they're improvements here, uh, uh, changes – uh, they added more slight curvature to the bumpers, so they're not so rigid and straight across. Uh, they added a share button to the front, which we've seen with the Switch and both uh, the DualShock 4. Um, this kind of same thing. And they added textured grip uh, slightly to the bumpers and pretty substantially to the triggers. 
They also mentioned reduced latency for the controller, which is kind of something they covered in their original uh, info dump a while back via Phil Spencer's blog post. And lastly, it'll still use AA batteries, and it'll work with any current you know charge packs you have, plain charge packs, cool. uh, for your current controllers as well. So there's that. Uh, anything else you guys want to mention about the controller? Good to move on? Yeah, I'm good. Controller. <laughs> uh, storage. It'll come with an internal one terabyte SSD and will allow players to expand their storage via proprietary external SSDs in partnership with Seagate. Uh, price is currently unknown. Currently, you can get uh, SSDs that are external for anywhere from like 75 to $200. It just depends. Um, so we don't have any specific price, but it won't be cheap. Uh, and the way they explained it is that, you know, your Xbox Series X games can be stored on a regular non-SSD external hard drive, um, but they can't be played from that drive. Yeah. They have to be on the SSD or a SSD in order to be played um, to match kind of what the, the system itself is trying to do. In terms of all your previous gen games, that being 360 original Xbox, Xbox One, those can be stored and played from uh, a regular non-SSD external hard drive. Um, this is, this is, it sucks that it's proprietary, but when they actually get into why it needs to be proprietary and why it needs to match up with what they're doing, it makes sense. Sony kind of went into this and we'll get into this in a little bit of, they're not <laughs> labeling it as proprietary, but the more Mark Cerny talks about it, it's like, we need, we, we need, you know, we need to approve a very specific type of SSD that's gonna be able to fit in it. Yeah. It won't be as proprietary as the Xbox, but it's going to be pretty limited, I'd assume, um, because they want the system, the hardware, the internals to function the way they want them to, right? And yeah. using something that they don't approve can really alter the performance of the games on that machine. So it makes so sense. But this one's this one's a give and take. First, I don't like it's proprietary uh, yep. on the Xbox. That is just them trying to mark it up. So that they're getting an add-on purchase from you one way or the other. Uh, that's how I'm seeing it. Uh, but it is a give and take when it comes to PlayStation. I, I liked how Mark Cerny actually explained their memory situation. Because I, I feel like both of the storage is not great. But um, I like how Mark Cerny said it is is So it's not proprietary, but there are certain ones that they'll pretty much give you in a blog post. And how you... It's it's not something it's not like a memory card like on the Xbox. It is something you're putting into the board, yeah. Uh, just like of PlayStations of old. So they're saying, hey, listen, it's you know you might have to. It, it's kind of alluding that it's gonna look kind of like a a traditional console. How the PlayStation Four top kind of lifted off. You're gonna have a external port. You get to put the memory into the board, but. Again, um, I'm losing track here. The, the The point is, is that they're doing that so that your storage is as fast and as close to the chipset as possible so that you're getting the fastest speed. And so exactly, the yeah. Xbox, it, again, we're, we're seeing this narrative being, being woven here. Uh, Xbox is fast, just not as fast. But yeah. With the, yeah, with the memory transfer speed and the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So the internals, uh, we already talked about this at the top where they showcased all of the individual parts and had people putting together and how the cooling would be handled. Uh, there's actually a little stand at the bottom of the Xbox Series X that we hadn't really seen before. At least I hadn't. It's like a little circular stand that it sits on so air can circulate through the bottom as well. Um, mm -hmm. it hasn't. I, I could have sworn I hadn't seen it before Monday in terms of like anything they'd shown Um but yeah, and then they obviously showed the fan, and uh, one of the cool things is like most of their consoles, uh, PlayStation does this as well. There was hidden Easter eggs inside of it, and one of them is a cool little Master Chief mm -hmm. sticker thing on the fan unit itself, uh, which is cool. Obviously, don't open it <laughs> to look at yourself, <laughs> but it's cool to know that that thing's in there. Um, yeah, I, I really hope PlayStation does something similar to the thing that Austin Evans and Digital Foundry got to do where they put it together. I just yeah. think it's always cool when, like, you separate the parts. And it's like a adult Legos, you know? I just yeah. think it's so awesome. Apparently, uh, so, and, and, and um, as a PlayStation guy, I'll cut in here for just a second. Apparently, that was the case. Uh, I think Digital Foundry briefly alluded to it, um, and it was confirmed later, that, yeah, Sony was supposed to stop by. But because that well, they were supposed to visit Sony's offices, but because of um, I I don't know if this is put onto YouTube, so I can't say it or else YouTube will flag it. But because it's fine. of the Go ahead. don't worry. All right, cool. Because of the coronavirus, um, it they couldn't travel, and so yeah. this what we're walking into right now when it comes to the PlayStation side is a tangle of webs. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of it is. Isn't is it their fault? So yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's a circumstantial product of you know timing. Uh, so yeah, next up we're going to be going over the PlayStation Five stuff, which is was labeled as the road to PS Five. Um, on Wednesday, March eighteenth, the PlayStation PlayStation had a pre recorded live stream initially intended to be their GDC presentation uh, before the event was canceled due to the coronavirus. Mark Cerny presented a fifty two ish minute talk, diving deep into the technical Man. approach they had when designing the PlayStation Five. And can we say off the bat, more than anything, it really showed that this was intended to be a GDC presentation that got canceled and then thrown together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. The weird like mystery science theater setup is like the, the silhouette you. of the people yeah. in the audience. <laughs> That's my so direct weird. comparison. Every time it's brought up, it's like, this is a mystery science theater shit that we're seeing right now. <laughs> The thing I want to talk real quick is you guys want to get into our feelings on the presentation before or after we get through yeah. what was actually talked about. You want to do that before or after? Before, because yeah, get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah, it's, okay. It was silly. So, it was it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I, so I want to talk about it real quick. So I want to break this up in, in little parts. First of all, Mark Cerny, very intelligent man, knows what the hell he's doing, can explain some of the most – specific and technical and complicated things to you in a way that is probably the most digestible that stuff can be right the talk itself like you said was meant to be a gdc i completely understood that going in i was not you know my expectations are set normally but the thing is that these things don't happen in a vacuum right if it did this presentation would have been fine cool it didn't happen in a vacuum in the current situation we're in, not only with the coronavirus, but with the state of the information we know about the PlayStation 5, people online right now have nothing to do but look to the internet for entertainment, right? And even though PlayStation marketed this as what it was, right, a look at the architecture of the PlayStation 5, people, they do this with Nintendo Directs as well. They just hyped it, hyped it, hyped it into hoping it could be something that it wasn't going to be. 
And I do think that PlayStation could have read the room a little bit better and understood that now that the coronavirus has affected what's going on in our day-to-day lives, I think they could have maybe changed some things to make it go a little bit better for the circumstances they found themselves in. Mm. Like I said, though, that being said, they marketed it correctly. I, I went in with proper expectations, but... Yeah, this not happening in a vacuum related to everything else. I, I do think it was if you had to go thumbs up, thumbs down, I would say thumbs down. But yeah, yeah. That's just my So favorite. like had GDC not been canceled, like this would this have been a YouTube video? Like this would have probably been uploaded on GDC side, I'd assume. But either GDC side or or their side, but it would have had a strong focus on developers this yeah. is for developers this would not have been i mean well i think either way this would have kind of been a i think with developers in the room people the the defense of this is a developer show uh for the common folk or for the fanboy whatever you want uh people would have been more understanding but the fact that they went along with it anyway and live streamed it and how it was presented was bewildering like, you know, <laughs> Good work. Jim Ryan gets up on stage and he's disheveled. He looks like they they just <laughs> woke true. him up. That's like, true. He, like they caught him in a nap. And they're like, uh, Mr. Ryan, you're up next. He's oh, f- shit. OK. Uh, hey, uh, this and like he says it so fast. Again, they what, right now what Sony needs at the end of the day is someone that can look into a camera, talk into a microphone at the same exact time. And people like them because Jim Ryan has this, this very nervous energy about him that he's just not good uh, on camera. So like, he's there, he's just like, Oh, hi. Uh, this was supposed to be at GDC. Um, it's not, but here's here, here it is anyway. Um, all right. Good day. And like, you could tell that audience is fake. It's definitely fake. He's talking to no (laughs) Um, one. It's on loop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then Mark Cerny comes up and, the thing is, why couldn't they have this? I just don't understand this. Why couldn't they have them in a room, kind of like how Apple reveals an iPhone where Johnny Ive's sitting there and he's talking about aluminum like, and have something <laughs> on the corner showing what's happening, what they're, what they're trying to demonstrate. Because Mark Cerny, Mark Cerny is a genius. He talks like a genius and he has the approachability of a genius, which means... He's not very approachable. He can't sell me on something, right? And I was on a podcast um, prior, and uh, and um, Chris and I want to. I got your name right, Chris. I forget where you're from, but you said something right. Where Sony was all show, no tell. They sh- they I'm sorry, all tell, no show. They told us what this thing's about, but they didn't show us anything. It's like going to a car lot. It's like, or, or, or unveiling the new Ford Mustang and saying it goes 200 miles per hour. And then when people go, oh, cool, where's the car? They're just like, oh, it's not here. And they're like, what? They're like, yeah, just take a word for it. It's like, we need to see some, some things. And so we got here, and even if you are a technical side, developers know how hard drives work. So why are we going into the fundamentals of how a hard drive works and breaking it down? There's so many mistakes here. I if I if 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 I was Shuhei Yoshida, and we all know he secretly runs all PlayStation. <laughs> why, why have at least thirty seconds of talking, going, "Hey, 
We understand what's going around the events uh, of the world right now. COVID is here. We were planning on something. Um, and because it is what it is, we wanted to still give out something for developers. So understand going in, we don't have any cool IP to show you. This is a technical deep dive of the, of the capabilities of this console. Bam. Done. It's, it's interesting too the chicken or the egg before you go, Dom, of this whole situation where I wonder if Microsoft going on Monday and just shadow dropping all this stuff, right? If it kind of forced Sony's hand in a way of like maybe they were planning on dropping this a little bit later on. I'm not saying months, but like maybe weeks, right? Um, to maybe get something better together, right, than just this. But they figured, like, the more time they separate themselves from that, the worse it's going to look when they eventually show it. It's a very weird thing of how this all played out because GDC didn't happen, right? Of, like, when was Microsoft originally intending to drop that info dump? Because they also had their stack conferences, right, that they replaced GDC with um, that announced some new stuff as well. It's just this whole thing. Like I said, it not happening in a vacuum. I think the, the Monday stuff with the content creators getting hands on it that PlayStation was able to do because of the circumstances kind of pulled the rug from underneath them. It just, yeah, wasn't a good look. Not not a good first impression, or like I guess like third impression because of the Wired articles. Sorry, go ahead, Dom. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it was weird. It, like I said, it was kind of uncomfortable. So, yeah, but Jim Ryan especially, right? <clears throat> that was just a weird <laughs> intro. That... Looking like he woke up. That's so funny. Like I, I, I turned it on like, what I assume was halfway through what he was saying. And then he just said, it was just a little awkward. The whole thing was just like, this is weird. Um, but I guess, I mean, I don't know how much at all, how much that matters, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, my, I, I wouldn't think it does really at all. Personally. I think at the moment it matters a lot. I mean, in the long term, when the console is actually released and everything, I don't think it matters at all. But in well, the current right, moment of like people being isolated and wanting all the news they can get, I think it matters a lot because people are going to ruminate on this, right? But like, yeah, I, said, I guess. But the term, moment, like whatever. This, yeah, this moment, people are a little weirded out by it. But like, they're not trying to. The thing's not for sale in this moment, so I don't think it really matters because, I mean, we're gonna get you know the cooler presentations and over you know throughout this year, right? Of like, oh, here's actual PS5 games and like, right. here's the live demo of the loading and like we're gonna get all that sweet shit i mean i assume okay obviously <laughs> if we don't then that's problematic well that's the worry so, right like, is people people are worried that this could be uh a very a sony full of hubris right as we see with every other generation one company just gets a little too full of themselves and i'm not saying sony is i'm just saying this could be a telltale sign of that i guess partially that's why some people are worried of that happening and that's a tough mm -hmm. thing too is that before this presentation happened there was people from blue point uh talking about them being excited about it i'm not bashing them for any reason but the moment somebody from blue point talks about the thing that's happening the next day people start thinking oh we're gonna see blue points rumored remake whatever that is showing off the tech right that doesn't happen the fact that we didn't see the thing that joseph brought up of like show spider-man loading super quick like yeah it's the biggest strength playstation has right now is its games and we didn't see any of that yesterday <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but that's i mean the, that's but we will that's why i don't i mean it's still we're still a long way away before they're telling us to pre-order this thing even right so like that's why i don't think it really matters yet that this wasn't in the know, grand scheme perfect. of things i know where you're where you're getting at and i and i think you are totally right but i do think this spooked sony yeah, I do not think Sony uh, 
they did not think that the reaction was going to be so mixed. Now, again, um, the drunken haze from from yesterday has faded, and it seems like now that the facts are trickling in that, oh, actually, this console, pretty dope. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, so we'll get we'll get into it, but like it's Don. I think you're totally right, dude. It's it's something where it's at the end of the day, this is a a, a, a bump in the first mile that is the road to the PlayStation Five. Um, and when we see the games, like we could talk about the teraflops and how Xbox One X is more powerful than the PlayStation, you know, Four Pro. But Ghost of Tsushima is one of the most beautiful games I've seen out of any console of this generation you know so there 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 is an extent where we can circle jerk uh, uh power specs all we want where it does come down to the end of the day games yeah uh we're running a little long so we're yeah, we're I'm not sorry. gonna we're, no it's fine we're gonna we're not gonna speed through this stuff but um we'll, we'll be a little bit quicker about it so first mm-hmm. off the specs for the playstation 5 uh, the SSD will have more than double the transfer speed of the Xbox Series X. So the Xbox Series X has a transfer speed of 2.4 gigabytes a second, whereas the PlayStation 5 will have 5.5 gigabytes a second, which is pretty impressive. It'll get into that later. Uh, total teraflops, 10.28 for the PlayStation 5. Obviously, the Xbox Series X is 12. That stuff is really not important, I think. It's just a marketing number. Uh, next is, up. Yeah. Uh, same GPU architecture for both the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, that being the custom RDNA 2, and memory, which is the 16 gigabytes of GDDR2. One thing to clarify, the Xbox Series X will have a more powerful GPU and CPU than the PS5, but obviously it's not apples to apples because of the transfer speed for the memory. It, it's, it's very weird. These consoles aren't like directly you know, mirrors of one another. There's some things they technically do different but a lot of it is pretty much the same across the board with the xbox series x taking a slight power advantage um next up storage the ps5 will have an internal ssd with 825 gigabytes uh, and cerny you know kind of explain why this is needed for the specific setup they have it's a very odd number and it does suck just looking at that number being like man you couldn't hit a terabyte which kind of blows but um, well yeah, the, and then the reason I to... why is i'm sorry i cut you off but like it's 125 is made for the system itself. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. He explained it, and I totally get it. It just, you know, normal consumer looking at a number, it's like, oh, that's not a terabyte. You know what I mean? Um, it's a weird number. Which, yeah. Uh, they'll have the uh, allowance of expansion of memory. We kind of got into this on the Xbox side, so we don't need to go in too much. But the one thing I wanted to add is certainly clarified that, like, the NVMe SSDs that they're looking for to be compatible that can match the 5.5 uh, gigabyte a second transfer speed aren't really on the market right now. He expects it to be available by the end of the year, and he even mentioned that, you know, it'll be sometime after launch before they approve the ones you should buy. Um, so, like we said, not necessarily proprietary, but specified <laughs> approval of certain ones. Um, yeah, and then the thing is, too... Um like we can expect the Microsoft, the Xbox ones are going to be expensive um, by nature of being proprietary, but then these are going to be expensive too, just by nature of like their brand ass new, you know, yeah. high spec SSDs. Cause even though SSDs in general are getting cheap nowadays, these ones are going to be like a whole new level. So they're going to be for, you know, at first, like after a few years, it'll start to settle down when there's more versions yeah. or more brands are putting them out and stuff. But both of these external, you know, additional storage options are like 
from that point of view are not great. It's great from the point of view of like we talked about, like making sure it matches what's in the system and everything. But yeah, yeah, it it, it sucks that it both consoles kind of got shafted with this. Like I shouldn't say shafted; they had to do it for a reason, right? Because <laughs> it's between expensive. a rock and a hard place. Like, exactly. It just it sucks, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, with PlayStation, people who buy the PS5 will have less memory, obviously, on board. So it's going to be interesting to see. Because I don't even know if Xbox clarified if the Seagate proprietary stuff will be available at launch, did they? Now that I'm thinking about it, they obviously showed it off and said that you can buy it. You could yeah. assume, but I, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't put a price uh, or a date on it. Yeah. I, yeah. And considering what's going on right now, yeah. And especially because like Sony didn't confirm it either, right? That there's a specific day, and they said well after launch. It'll be interesting to see how fast our our uh, SSDs fill up and how soon we can um, upgrade them. But like, I think all three of us have an external hard drive at this point, right? Like a non SSD yep. external. And no, I don't man. mind like That's the thing. moving games <laughs> back and forth stuff. for the time being. That's that's kind of that was always my thing. I I guess I'm in the minority. Like I've been good with a terabyte. Um, oh really? I think yeah, I got over a terabyte quick. <laughs> but like, it's the same thing of we already talked about like how many games you play at once, yeah. right? Um, and it's this it's a similar conversation where like I'm pretty much playing one game, and then I'll delete it and then move on yeah. to the next one. I have a couple installed that I keep, but like I'm pretty much just play a game, uninstall it. Like I just beat Death Stranding, uninstalled it because I know I'm done with it, yeah. and and yeah. so on. So like, I've never I think I'm around like 700 some. Um, okay. But yeah, like. I don't know. It's to me. It's that wasn't really a problem. Also, oh, the also, thing that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Joseph. It. Sorry. All right. Cool. Yeah, I'm the guest. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the guest is always right now. Uh, the one thing that they did want to mention is games are going to be smaller-ish, sort of. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, because I thought because, the opposite might be true. Yeah, right. Because how usually downloading a game works onto a standard hard drive is that there is a disc that spins in your hard drive and it has to catch that that data that that it's constantly spinning at and sometimes it misses so sometimes things are copied over over and over again layer upon layer so that it makes sure that when the disc spins and it hits the data it needs to it hits it so yeah you're you're going to see a lot of layers just being taken off it's just going to be one layer and now what you can do is essentially instead of when you see a big Call of Duty patch and it's like 96 gigs, that's because you got to re-download the entire file again. Now file size is going to be a lot smaller. Updates are going to be a lot smaller. It's going to be megabytes, uh, smaller gigabytes uh, on top of the pre-existing layer. And so you, that's this is something I was thinking about with storage is that none of this has been confirmed or denied for PlayStation, but in xbox's case we know about smart delivery right, right. so like if i own xbox uh, xbox if i own rainbow six siege six or yeah right yeah, yeah okay yeah. sorry i was having a brain fart. i don't know so if i own rainbow six siege six and oh I just rainbow to... six just uh just siege just siege, siege sorry yeah. yeah uh siege if i go and download it on the xbox series x i get the xbox series x version of that game right so i'm gonna have to be downloading that size of files for it right so what I'm basically saying is that at launch for Xbox, you'll have a higher chance of filling up your storage because you're getting the smart delivery versions of those games. Whereas with PlayStation, I highly doubt there's going to be 10 launch titles for the PS5 that you're going to own at the same time. 
So you have less of a worry of filling it up at launch. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't know if they have sure. smart delivery or not. So sure. that's just a, a, a difference there. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> all over the place in my brain. Uh, next up, audio. Uh, so instead of Dolby Atmos, which Xbox currently supports with the Xbox One X, uh, Sony's going for 3D audio. Uh, basically, it's they're going to be using their Tempest engine that will support hundreds of sound sources. Mark Cerny went into this and described it as a learning process that will evolve the audio quality of PS5 games over time throughout the generation and hinted at personalized profiles called HRTFs that can enhance an individual's audio experience. The, P- the PS5 itself will reportedly launch with five templates that you can like sift through and there's like a little mini game that you'll be able to figure out which one works best for you specifically. And he said that their goal with the Tempest engine is to deliver great audio to everyone, not just those who own like incredible sound bars or high-priced mm-hmm. audio output devices. Um, and also, he wants pictures of your ears. So, <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> I walked in on this part because I had to help bring my uh, bring. Or, you know what? We're not going to call them groceries anymore because we were living in the dark, dark times. Uh, supplies. He was on a supply run. I had to help him midstream. And let me tell you, I was kind of thankful at this point. And I came back and he's just like, we've been collecting ears. I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is actually really cool. This is actually something that is going to be incredibly hard to market. And, and that's sad. But um, there's someone uh, that I want to give a shout out to. And it's a developer who's working on bleeding edge and he's just like playstation 5 looks incredibly incredibly promising and for the first time in a very very long time audio engineers are being taken seriously for what they do because usually they're in the back of the line waiting for everybody else where you're talking about like hearing individual rain droplets that's really awesome and when you're talking about not even just your headphones and i'm a headset gamer that's how i'm I'm hearing that's how i'm getting immersed that's awesome so you know also having that translated to tv awesome A, a lot of the sound portions got me extremely hyped this is what i want in gaming improve my gaming uh in in ways that i wasn't thinking that i wanted and that's what sony is trying to do it's trying to fill in the gaps and being different my only concern is him talking about it being something that evolves over time. So obviously at console launches, Xbox will probably have something like this too. I'm not saying 3D audio for PlayStation will be this. There's always stuff they talk about at launch that never really reaches its full potential throughout a console cycle, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see how far they take this because if they do commit to it the way Mark Cerny saying, like, it could be some incredible audio visual experiences we've never seen before. Yeah. And funny enough, this was the only thing we really got like back, like behind the scenes yeah. looks at, right? When they showed the way they were also, testing. Also, I'm sorry if you hear my chair. mother in the back. I told her to be very quiet. I told her, hey, could you just be a little bit respectful? <laughs> because <laughs> no we're all quarantined together and it's just a Hispanic household. People want are it now. That's a problem. Hey, man, I'm, I'm half Hispanic. I know, I know the struggle. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so, lastly, uh, backward. Actually, Dom, do you have anything to say about the audio? No, this is one of those areas where I'm not, I don't know much about <laughs> audio, but yeah. I'm glad that people who like audio, uh, like you guys, are are high on it. So that that's cool. Uh, it's, yeah, it's really impressive. <laughs> I, I love the way they test it, where like the guy totally looked like I was, futuristic. I was watching that like. Okay, this is a big giant square with different colors. That looks oh, like that graphic shirt. was a terrible choice. Like the one with like all like 
Oh, the photoshopping <laughs> of putting it in Blade Runner and stuff was really funny. Uh, lastly, real quick, backwards compatibility. This one was obviously we don't have full clarification, but the way Sony handled all this with the mixed messaging and the confusion. So it seems that a good number of the top 100 played PS4 games will be available at launch with more coming in the future. And nothing was mentioned in regards to the first three PlayStation consoles, despite having some like weird accidental teases of like leaving empty space when they're talking about uh, the backwards compatibility. The reason people were confused is because in that segment, Cerny also talked about boosting games, right? The yep. same way we've heard from Xbox. And it was unclear if he was saying like, oh, some of the top 100 played games will be boosted at launch. Or if he was saying some of the top 100 played games will be available at launch. And it seems through Sony's uh, and PlayStation's PR blast afterwards through text, it seems like it is the backwards compatibility and not the boosted necessarily. Still, they have a lot to clarify there. For all my PlayStation brethren out there, I hope it's fully backwards compatible. But people have to remember, like, it's awesome that Xbox is in this position now where their whole legacy and history is there. But that Mm -hmm. took years. Like, they didn't add all the games at once, right? And that's what sucks with PlayStation is they kind of already are behind on the eight ball. And now you're seeing that even once they first start doing it, it's not going to be all top 100 played games at launch because it is a process, right? So they are behind the eight ball in that sense. And they'll never really catch up, but it is going to take some time for them to get to a point where it is like a primary awesome thing to have. It just sucks that it's behind at this point. But this was incentive. Yeah, it was. I agree. It was embarrassing. Go for <laughs> but like, it. I'm sorry. In addition to like, it, their incentive is is decreases obviously, right? Because they even, mm-hmm. especially the way they describe this as the top hundred most played is what they started with, and you're like, okay, yeah, I get it, but that that also means that like, you know, those bottom half or whatever, it might be a couple of years till they get around to making sure those work, if at all, right? Because what's the incentive for Sony at that point? It's like no one's playing these yeah. games anyway, so like you know where do they draw the line of like all right we got the top 500 playable so then we stop or you know what i mean and somebody like you who's not really into battle rails or multiplayer games in general most of those top 100 played games are multiplayer titles you know what i mean so what are they going to prioritize for somebody like you you know i think i'd be okay because even even with that i mean i'm Bloodborne is a top RPGs. 100 played. It has to be. You know what I mean? If I Bloodborne hope. isn't, there is no God. <laughs> right. Yeah. If Blood... Um, okay, listen. It's been 1,820 days since Damn, the launch the of dedication. the original Bloodborne. And the fact that we haven't gotten a sequel should be a war crime. If this is not on the PlayStation 5, I will flip. <laughs> you will see Joseph go full rage monster. <laughs> It just it sucks for a company that has such a strong legacy like like PlayStation not taking advantage of it, right? And obviously it's from a tech side it's kind of hard for them to do. But then you look at Nintendo and it's like they're not really doing much on their side either with all of their legacy yeah. of you know, very very there's large gaps in time where they put like NES and SNES titles on the online uh service, right? Yeah. So it's funny that it's, Xbox, who has the smallest legacy, is yeah. doing the most to to keep that legacy going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's strange. Strange but awesome for Xbox gamers. Yeah. You know? Um, Sucks if you're a PlayStation gamer. Like, this one, this one, I we do need clarification. It is all over the place, and it does seem like, yeah, no, it is. The, what they're doing right now is 100 at the start, and they will be adding more as time comes. Um, and so 
cool because let's be honest, half of those games are, are shovelware, right? A lot yeah. of it, like when you read, you know, when you're preparing the drop each and every week on the trophy room, you see a lot of garbage. I you're say not garbage stoked for Roblox is, on PlayStation Five. Roblox coming to PlayStation Five. A lot of a lot of it's just not even Roblox. <laughs> a lot of it yeah. is just like you know uh, weird um, IO games, and so yeah, no, like we don't need to waste our time with, with a lot of the backwards compatibility. But if you're getting the games that truly matter, like a Rainbow Six Siege, um, th- I think the the most important thing that you mentioned earlier is. Uh, smart delivery. Sony ain't being smart, and I'm f- afraid of their delivery because <laughs> I don't want to buy Rainbow Six again or Overwatch yeah. again. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'll be doing that anyway. But like, that's that's the thing that sucks about the PlayStation uh, Five so far is it's giving me this worry that I'm gonna have to rebuy Cyberpunk 2077. I don't want to do well, that. I've already spent too much money. In our current situation, people are going to have a hard time buying consoles by end of the year, depending on how thing, how quickly things change, right? Mm-hmm. And for people who are on the fence, as it currently sits with the information we have, if you don't have a dedicated allegiance to one side or the other based on your profile history, right? Yeah. Xbox clearly has the added in value, top to bottom, as it sits. So it's kind of helping it lean towards that way because of the backwards compatibility, because of the smart delivery, like... I now can buy Cyberpunk worry-free and know that I'll also be able to play it when I buy the new console, right? Yeah. It just sucks that we don't know if PlayStation will be able to do that or not. Um, before we close out and talk about what we've been playing uh, really quickly, I wanted to go over some industry response to all of this. So according to Digital Foundry and other tech-focused content creators, it seems that despite having mostly similar specs, with the caveat that you know Xbox Series X took the power crown overall, yada, 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 the approach is slightly different. PlayStation is opting for variable clock speeds, whereas Xbox is relying on a fixed approach to those clock speeds. Uh, there are advantages and drawbacks to both. Uh, I just wanted to show that like a lot of these people are saying like they're taking you know slightly different approaches, and each yep. of them will have benefits and drawbacks. And I wanted to go over some stuff real quick in regards to a lot of the information from the industry. So first up, the backwards compatibility issue. Mitch Dyer, formerly of IGN, now at EA Dice, I believe. He basically tweeted to Shinobi on Twitter. If you don't know Shinobi, he tweets out a lot of the video game news in the industry. A uh, really good follow on Twitter. He asked him anything about PS3, 2, or 1 games. Jason Trier, the uh, the mole of the industry, breaking some of the craziest <laughs> stories. Uh, he replied, Mitch, I would look at where those rumors came from in regards to backwards compatibility. Mitch replied, are there rumors? I'm just curious because I want it. And Jason Trier broke everyone's heart and replied, oh, yeah, don't get your hopes up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was in relation to the confusion over whether they were the boosted or the backwards compati- uh, compatible games. Yeah. It, it sucks. Hopefully, maybe they change their stance in the future, but it doesn't look like it. doesn't look like it's going to be a thing on PlayStation 5 outside of PS4 games. Uh, next up, Jason Trier, who I just mentioned, gave his specific kind of reaction to the entire PlayStation 5 uh TED talk that Mark Cerny gave (laughs) and he tweeted seems like a bad marketing move to release a technical spec sheet that looks significantly worse than your biggest competitors then put out an incomprehensible hour-long lecture video rather than showing actual game footage to demonstrate what makes your console unique but hey I shouldn't have to be the one saying this but the PS5's SSD is a huge deal and could actually change the way games are designed meanwhile gamers will just look at the side-by-side specs and believe the Xbox is superior Sony's marketing couldn't have handled it any worse Yes. Yes, which is, yeah, that's the thing is like the SSD thing is a huge deal and it'll drastically affect games on the PlayStation 5. 
they didn't really do a good job of selling that overall, which sucks. Um, mm-hmm. There was another part here. Uh, where was it? Okay, not on this thread. Sorry, I have a bunch of these open that I wanted to get through. So no, same here. Don't uh, worry about it. So John Linneman, who's one of the main guys over at Digital Foundry, this isn't really important at all. I just thought it was uh, a little bit uh, of a nice uh, addition to this whole thing. He posted a poll saying, uh, now that the specs are out for both consoles, what are your thoughts? And the options were PS5 has the advantage, Xbox has the advantage, they're about the same, and then a joke answer of Sega Mega Drive is better. Uh, And as it sits, the poll is at 50% for Xbox, 11% for PlayStation, and 16% for they're the same. So I thought that was interesting because on one hand, it's like the people following this guy are going to be tech focused, right? Because he works at Digital Foundry. So obviously they're going to prefer the Xbox in terms of pure specs, I guess. I just thought it was, I think a lot of this is reflective of the presentation and not actually a side-by-side comparison of the consoles, you know, Mm -hmm. very reactionary based on the way that was handled. Um, Second to last thing, Daniel Ahmad, who is also somebody on Twitter who breaks video game news is is a great follow. I think this is a sentiment he has for people who are level-minded on this whole thing. The main takeaway for me is both next-gen consoles offer significant advancements in terms of power and features with ray tracing, SSD, and 3D audio. The next and more important conversation to have is about the games, services, ecosystem, pricing, and user experience. Content is always king, but services and ecosystems are going to be extremely important in the transition from this generation to the next. Where are the biggest games? Which ecosystem is the most affordable to transition to? Which services offer the best value? Services such as Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, PS Now, etc. are going to be what people talk about alongside the games themselves. Retaining your current games, friends list, overall ecosystem, cross-play and cross-save makes things more interesting too. So he's basically saying what we all know. It's like not just based on the pure power numbers. What are the games? But on top of that, what are the services they're providing, the value to the customers, the entry point price, all that stuff, right? There's a lot more left to know in terms of how things are going to shake out with the console war. Lastly, I wanted to go back to John Linneman from Digital Foundry. The SSD for the PlayStation is really impressive, but there are some specifics that people should know about that he kind of clarified. So, he stated first off, the craziest thing about PlayStation 5 is the speed of the SSD. 5.5 gigabytes per second is just the start. There is a lot of custom silicon in there to ensure that the system isn't bottlenecked in other areas. It's really fast on paper, a lot faster than Xbox Series X even, which we know because the speed there was 2.4, right? But somebody came and asked him, so other devices aren't going to be able to match those speeds, that being the SSD drives, right? And mm-hmm. you can assume that games running on the PS5 will want to push the envelope as far as possible or get capped for multiple platform, sorry, multi-platform releases. And John responds, sure, only first-party games will truly utilize those speeds, but multi-platform games are still going to be made with SSD in mind. He said, I mean, we went from 500 to 100 megabits a second last gen to 2.4 gig and 5.5 gigs a second. That's a massive leap. So he's basically saying they're like, the first party games on Sony are, are what going to benefit from this. The multi-platform stuff, not so much. But even at the base, it's a huge leap from last gen. That and to and and like just touch on that for just a second. It is something that is, if Sony gets the marketplace again this generation, which only time will tell, um, then third party, and depending on how easy this thing is to code for, that's another thing that only time will tell. 
um, that yeah, then third parties will be coding for this for for the PlayStation Mind, and then you will see a big difference between these yeah. two consoles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of like the good question to ask. I mean, it remind us all like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. all these numbers and everything of like, okay, but what does that really mean? Um, you know, like what, what can like what what does that mean for the games? Like, what are we gonna see, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, how how meaningful are all these numbers and the differences between them from the the, the SSD speeds to the, the uh, CPU and GPU power? It's like what like what what kind of differences is that actually gonna translate to? Like, obviously, in all the cases, like the first party studios are gonna be able to do more when they're not when they only are developing for the one box, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, and for third parties, it's probably a lot of the time they're going to be you know developing for like the lower common denominator in each scenario of of transfer speed versus graphical power so i i don't know how much difference all this really makes in the actual product at the end of the day well that's the thing right is that if xbox becomes a market leader opposite to what joseph was saying is that if it's the 2.4 they have to reach not the 5.5 that they need to focus on I doubt developers will want to put in the extra work when they're not the market leader. You know what I mean? Because to this next week, I'm going to get to somebody said, but this won't translate into anything except for maybe slightly faster first party games on PlayStation, right? The SSD speed for both consoles is more than enough for games. And John Linneman replied, absolutely not saying otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Said, yeah, yeah. 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 So, and to Joseph's point, it's like, it depends on, is it easier to develop for? Is it the market leader? What's going to happen there? Do developers, you can take advantage of that stuff, but outside of first-party developers, will they see a need to do that, or can they just go with the baseline, right? How much work is involved there? Right. Uh, the last tweet I wanted to get to here, maybe, I think it's the last tweet. Yeah, this is the last tweet. <laughs> Somebody said, also, what are your thoughts on the variable clock speeds versus the static clock speeds in the Xbox Series X? This was, like, one of the main differences, right, before between the consoles. He said, mm-hmm. I personally think Microsoft is right on the money about the console experience being tied to 100% predictable results. And John Linneman replied, PS5 is predictable as well, but it forces developers to make choices that won't be necessary on Series X. I think fixed clocks are a better choice in this case, but we'll see how it goes. So that's interesting. Him mm-hmm. saying that developers will need to make choices on the PS5 when they don't, they won't really have to make those choices on the Xbox. Um, yep. So it's, it's really weird the difference there. And I think the, the main thing for for PlayStation because according to obviously this is just one man from Digital Foundry but according to him the fact that it seems based on that quote it'll be easier for developers on the Xbox Series X I think it'll be up to those first party Sony developers who we know are more than capable of delivering what you can get from that transfer speed and showing that it is worth the time for for third party partners right I think they're the ones that need to sell it to everybody else to be like yeah you need to make these choices but trust me it's worth it um so yeah, I just I think it's cool there that there's some more explanation as to what you get from variable clock speeds and static and you know five point. It's funny because the twelve teraflops are bigger than the ten teraflops, right? In the same way that the five point five transfer speed is larger than the two point four. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what do each of those numbers really even mean, and will it matter for both yeah, exactly. sides? You know. So well, that's the thing that I think everybody's kind of losing touch on. There, we're looking at a. a, a we're looking at a goddamn spreadsheet and we're just like, <laughs> yeah. okay, cool. We see all these numbers. We see algorithms, whatever the hell we're seeing. Matrix. As Cerny said, we're in the matrix. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and by the way, we're in a simulation. I'm like, 
<laughs> but chances are, it's we need to see the games. And listen, I can say the same for Microsoft as well. Cool, State of Decay, I've seen this game already. Show me something I haven't. Show me Halo Infinite yep. running, right? We're seeing a lot of past, past games, old games running on new tech. That's not impressing me much. Show it's me kind of something only, new. The only What's thing we've time? seen is Hellblade, and there was no gameplay. It was still visually oh. awesome, but obviously we didn't see gameplay, right? We didn't see the gameplay. The only PlayStation but... thing... Sorry, the only PlayStation thing we've yeah. seen is what's that launch title? The one that's a launch exclusive? Oh, God something. Melee oh, Slasher Looter. Godfall. Yeah, yeah. Godfall. Godfall. That's the only PS5 gameplay we've seen so far, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah, and we need to see the games for both to sides. To me, at the end of the day as well, none of this is actually going to matter. And, like, we've <laughs> been stating that all, all night long, but the. the it's still fun to talk to about. Here, yeah. What I'm trying <laughs> right. to get here is. None of none of this really matters. Like all the all the clock speeds, the teraflops, the the whatever the hell we're gonna talk about, because at the end of the day, no one has a TV that is 8K compatible, right? Right. Or, sorry, that that is an 8K. 120 uh, FPS. Yeah. That, yeah. Hertz no one has that rates, hardware yeah. in the house. Most people don't. Um, the statistic that that um, that one of the panelists um, pulled out yesterday was the fact that. You know, thirty-one uh, percent of people own a four K TV in their house. So, at the end of the day, the flops don't matter. Right now, it'll matter five years out from now, six years out from now. But by that time, there will be another shiny box or maybe a floating cube that we call Jared, and it talks to us. <laughs> it's kind of like we're in that that same spring summer period where like. The NFL draft is looming and everyone's comparing like people's college stats or like combine numbers and their workouts, not actually watching plays or whatever, but just looking at they're, stats. they're looking at how high can this guy jump? Oh, he can play football. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, all right, that's, it's fun to talk about because we have nothing else for right now. Right. But what really matters is like, okay, well, what's that dude doing on the field yeah. come fall? Right. That's yeah. why like uh, to the point we talked about earlier that Joseph first brought up, one of the coolest things is the older games getting added benefits with the new consoles mm -hmm. well at least on xbox side we know about that so far playstation hasn't really Rip. gone into it Rip. but like that's the thing is like who right now who cares about 8k will these old games i have trouble looking at <laughs> look good <laughs> you know can i play them yeah. and not squint my eyes um normally we'd go into what we've been playing I, we will real quick but we've gone yeah. quite a long time so i don't want to go too involved in it real Big quick i'll say week. Yeah, big news week, a lot to talk about. And I'm glad we had Joseph on, who hosts the PlayStation podcast, so he was able to give a really good sense of insight on, on the topic. Um, yeah. So, real quick, because of all the current events with coronavirus, I didn't have a whole lot of time to play games. Not that I was in like any worry or danger, it was just like getting adjusted to the current situation. Um, the only thing I was really able to play is Warzone. Hopped into a couple more matches. Quick thoughts again from, added on to what I said last week. I really like Call of Duty's gameplay. I still think that this game has too quick of a TTK uh, yeah. to really get into it the way I can with Apex Legends personally. Um, but that's Call of Duty, and it's hard to balance, and it's like it's a tough thing. That's my only downside to it. But on the bright side, I do think Gulag is an interesting fix to that issue where you do get a second chance to get into the match, which is original to this uh, Battle Royale. But enjoying it they added solo mode which i'm super thankful for i think they were planning on adding oh, that there? at a later date 
Yeah, oh. but because of the current situation, I think they pushed it live. There was some weird PUBG stuff the first day it came out where, like, textures weren't really loading all that yeah. well, which is weird for a Call of Duty game because normally they're very polished. Um, but I do think that was a side effect of them pushing it early, um, but I'm glad they did. And, yeah, it's pretty much the only thing I got to play this week was shiny hunting some Pokemon as usual, but who wants to hear about <laughs> that? Um, Joseph, let us know. You said you've been playing Warzone, right? Yeah, man, I've been playing a lot of Warzone um, but plunder mode in particular. Ooh, interesting. I'm really... more of a BR guy. I didn't touch plunder at all. Here's the thing. I'm more of a BR guy, but the team that I run with, they listen, Luke Lord, the Xbox expansion <laughs> pass. He's a great man. He's a great, you should get him on the show. He's a, he's a great personality. Instant cool. goes uh, on Twitter. He sucks at video games. <laughs> he is our driver and he drives us places. Our good friend Kev, who is ironically um, shares the same name of a PlayStation mascot, uh, technically, yeah. Crash uh, Bandicoot, Spyro. No, cool name. No, uh, his name's Kevin Butler. And yeah, Kevin Butler. <laughs> he, uh, unfortunate soul, loves Xbox. Anyway, not the point here. He's a decent shot, but I'm here carrying them. Right on my shoulders, on my back. It hurts. Um. <laughs> Plunder mode is a great alternative to the Battle Royale genre. I call it genre now because Plunder very much takes the same 150 people in a map, right? <clears throat> Sorry, God, weird. I think I'm dying. Don't worry, I'm fine. Um, 150 people in the map, you're all fighting for, for... Instead of kills, the twist is, what do you do a lot in a BR game? You're looting a shit ton. So the whole point is getting more money than the other guy and the person that first reaches a million then the whole game cash is almost doubled i think it's 1.5 and the person with the most cash at the end of the 30 minute round or whoever gets a, a million uh, wins we won two matches it is a ton of fun there is a lot of strategy involved with plunder um and it's very different uh, it's a very different mindset, and there's a lot of risk reward that I'm, I'm really digging out of it. So, plunder mode, really great. I'm really liking Call of Duty Warzone. I think it's a great addition, but at the end of the day, the one that remains supreme is Apex Legends. I love it so much. Oh, so, I was my heart skipped a beat. I thought you were gonna say Fortnite. We're an anti-Fortnite household here. At Control interests. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, used to, I used to mess but... with Fortnite. Like, I have over 200-plus wins in that game. Easy. But Apex is my jam. It's my bread and my butter. Yeah. Dom and I fall in the same camp of, like, when it comes to shooters, we like the focus to be on, like, gun skill. And in Fortnite, if somebody's just a better builder, they're going to beat you. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's just an aspect of... of and it sucks because uh, the shooting's so good as well. Uh, like anything else you wanted to mention before Dom lets us know what he's been playing? Joseph? Oh no! I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Again, I got I got a I got a troubling text. My my apologies. No problem. Is, I just said, is there anything else you wanted to mention before Dom lets us know what he's been playing? Dom, let us know what you've been playing. Enough <sighs> about me. That's not important. <laughs> a shit ton of this little Norman Reedus game, Hideo Kojima game rather, called Death Stranding. Enough so that I'm finally done with it. After. Man, 46 hours, I think it was clocked. I spent and 63. You know, yeah. it shows you your stats at the end, right? And yeah. I did two side quests the whole game. Wow. At the beginning, I did a couple. And then I was like, eventually I started to get in, really into this, the main story. And I just was like, 
I'm just doing this story and that's what I want to see. And so I just mainlined it and it still mm-hmm. took that long. It's a long ass <laughs> game, dude. Um, but I, I talked about it a lot the past couple of weeks. I, I really enjoyed it. The ending was pretty cool. Um, a, a bit too abstract and sci-fi for my mm-hmm. taste. It reminded me a bit of everyone was talking about that, that uh, Oscar Isaac movie annihilation. Okay. Um, a few years ago and like oh, it's so cool natalie portman that. film excuse yeah, you yes yes that's that's wow wow i gotta look myself in the mirror after that i forgot her name and i just i was thinking he's of like the Isaac. side character that disappears in like the first 10 minutes of that film it's funny yeah but yeah. he's the one that i was thinking of in that movie i don't know maybe great actor love him but yeah anyway that movie was like it was cool and there was a lot of cool stuff going on but like when it got into the ending and like explaining what exactly was going on it was so abstract and super deep sci-fi that i just kind of lost it and i'm like i don't know if i get it death stranding had a little bit of that going on where i'm like uh okay and the ending is so full of exposition that i'm like "Uh, it's literally it's literally an hour and a 30 minute movie the problem with death stranding it's my game of the year and I think 2019 was a great year for video games. Um, I liked it for the for the moment to moment gameplay. It's serene. It's something you yeah. lose yourself in. Environment's gorgeous. Sound design, oh, ooh, chef's kiss. But the story kind of it. Well, it's Kojima, so he's up his own ass. And at the same exact time, you know the end of Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. I love that movie because it's Star Wars and I'm a simple soul. But they do something that I call very Kojima, where the Emperor explains his motives and explains what he's doing. And somehow (laughs) that makes it happen. Right. It's pretty much like something needed to happen for this to happen. So I'm just going to explain how I got this, but I'm not going to show you. And that's a lot of what Death Stranding is, is explaining something while it's happening to justify why it's happening. Which it breaks the number one rule of storytelling. (laughs) Yeah, and it does it a lot. But for some reason, we give it a pass because he's Kojima. To me, yeah, like, you're right. Like, the story loses it for me. But, man, that music, that sound design, that game. The music, yeah. The music especially. Those moments where, like, you're you're closing in on a delivery, like a longer one, right? And then a song kicks up. Yeah. And it's always the perfect song. It's on my Spotify. It's always my number one. <laughs> it's just, ah, uh, the, the, yeah. When that music hits, especially like towards the, like when you're 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 running in the last mile or whatever, you just, yeah. it just it just feels so, right. Everything's cool. Somebody yeah. needs to make a top ten video game abstract endings. I think one would probably be Inside, and according to you guys, Death Stranding would probably be in the mix there too. Oh yeah. Inside has a very abstract ending, but it's not super sci-fi. It's very simple artistic, so it kind of works mm. for it, but. Uh, yeah, that's been this week's show. Uh, before we go, Joseph, please let the people know where they can find you on the internet. Sure, sure. So first, uh, you can find me over at Twitter at Mr. Badbit, or you can follow the Trophy Room on Twitter at PS Trophy Room. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Bad Bit Games, where I talk about all game news, reviews, and unboxings. The next video that you are seeing from me, I am unboxing the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 1080 Ti, wait for it, Cyberpunk 2077 Limited Edition. I thought you were going to say it, and then you did say it. It's beautiful, (laughs) it is heavy as shit, and I shot it with a Nerf gun. It's fantastic. (laughs) Check that video out. Can't wait for people to get upset at me about that. 
Um, Legit, I'm checking this out right now. Oh, oh, it's not up yet. It's not up yet. But by the time Um, this podcast is, don't worry. It will be. Again, follow me at Mr. Badbit. That's where you'll find it. Uh, And then you can follow The Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. It's also on YouTube at Badbit Games. But it's also, you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you get an RSS feed. Uh, That's probably there. Please rate us five stars. Really helps the show out. We're at 63 if we get six more reviews, we become super cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. awesome. I, I want to have you on more often. Uh, like I said, now with the, only the two of us, we try to have guests on almost every week because conversations gel better with three people. And, you know, you have such a stranglehold on the PlayStation ecosystem that it's cool to have you on, especially yeah. like this week, right, where it just so happened we actually made the plans before all of this happened, and then it just kind of <laughs> fell in our lap. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so weird that that happens, and it's so weird that like, you say stranglehold. I constantly try to find PlayStation uh, people for my show, but I end up getting Xbox, Nintendo people, PC people, because um, it, it's just a better conversation. Because we're not all uh, circle jerking, and we're not all you know uh, in agreements. We're having like awesome <laughs> yeah. dialogue, and it's also really hard to find positive PlayStation people. So if you guys find some, let me know because it's <laughs> it's hard out here, man. It's only we'll me beyond. Yes, I love you. That's it. Yeah, well, I launched my PlayStation 4 with a catapult after they announced Horizon was coming to PC. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, before we get into that, thank you guys for listening. If you want to, please follow us on Twitter God. at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. Independently, you can follow me at Jared underscore. Yep, still have the underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. Yep, he loves those cookies. Uh, if you can, please go over, like Joseph said earlier, to iTunes. Follow us. Leave us a review. It helps. Five stars is preferred. If you don't like to listen on iTunes, we're also on Spotify, finally. That uh, approval process took a bit, but it finally happened. So thank you, Spotify gods, for allowing us (laughs) to be on your platform. Uh, If you want to go over to YouTube, search Controlled Interest will pop right up. If you subscribe, make sure to hit the uh, bell notification so you know when we we upload a new video because the sub boxes are uh, fickle, and you can't trust them on YouTube. Can't trust those sub boxes. It's true. And... uh, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Catch you guys next week when we'll hopefully have another guest. See you then. Bye.